worship. We're so glad that you're here today. And uh, uh, yeah, so uh, we got a special guest today. Uh, Becky Buller and the Be Becky Buller Band is here, and uh, it's so awesome. Uh, her baritone singer was not able to make it today, so she called me and said, "Can you fill in?" Of course, like that's like a dream of mine, and so I'm like, I'm totally putting this on my resume, you know. <laughs> You know, I played, I played that a number of gigs with, with uh, Becky Buller. I mean, one is a number, right? So. Three whole shows. That, that's right. I'm doing it three times today. I've done three shows with Becky Buller. Okay. All right. I'm turning it over to Becky. Do your thing. <laughs> uh, hold on, Wes. Let's see. Let's see. I got to turn something on here. How's everybody this morning? There we are. There's my guitar. All right. All right. If you would, if you're able, please stand with us. Wes, kick me in. And we'd love it if you'd sing along. The chorus is real easy. This is a song about being a peacemaker. It's called More Heart, Less Attack. Be the light in the crack. Be the one that's been there on the camel's back. So the anger. To let me more heart and less attack. Be the wheel, not the track. Be the wanderer that's come back. Be the past ride where it's at. Be more heart and less attack. Ooh. You got those words?
First Baptist Church, and we're grateful that Becky Buller and her band is here. Can we give them a First Baptist welcome? And so if you're a guest with us, we're especially glad that you're here. We would love to get to know you. One of the ways that we do that is through the guest card that's located in front of you. If you could take one of those out and fill it out, then after the service, just go left to the Welcome Center and drop that off there. We have a small gift for you coming and being a part of our worship gathering this morning. And so this week being fall break, we are sending out a team from our church to Denver, Colorado for a mission trip to work with Journey Point Church, which is one of our mission partners. And so on Thursday night for uh, Thursday night football, the Denver Broncos are hosting the Indianapolis Colts. And so we're going to be passing out water and gospel tracks there at their downtown campus. So we ask you would pray for that. And then on Sunday, before we get on a plane to come back, we're going to be doing a fall festival there in the shopping center at one of their other campuses. So we just want to ask for you to pray for this team. There's 11 of us going. I don't know if anybody from the team is in this service, but if you are, would you take a moment and stand? Yeah, they're on fall break as well, so and that's okay. We're going to take a moment and pray, though, and uh, let's take a moment to pray for this trip. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to go. And, uh, Lord, it's because of Jesus that we have good news to tell. And we have a great commission to accomplish. And so, Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together. We pray for this mission team. And as we worship you this morning, will you be glorified. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand one more time. And if you brought your blue books, turn to number one in the blue book. This is number one in the blue book. Here we go. This world is not my home. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Angels beckon me from heaven's open door.
Come up here, please. We're having technical difficulties. Y'all can are. have a seat. I apologize. Why don't y'all have a seat for a second there? Yeah, I think I need a direct cord. Thank y'all so much. I'm just so glad this happens to professionals, too. <laughs> <laughs> y'all, I want to introduce everybody up here. Down here on the mandolin, he's a 2001 Merlefest champion mandolin player, and he knows a lot about chicken logistics because he works at Springer Mountain in Gainesville, Georgia. Please make welcome Wes Lee. And back here on the base, he knows a lot about the spirit because he works where most people work in his hometown of Lynchburg, Tennessee. Please make welcome Daniel the Hulk Harden. Over here, our special, special, special guest, one of our two special guests up here. Uh, yeah, yeah. Both of them are named Todd. It's crazy. So uh, over here, uh, last time I saw you was in England, wasn't it? Yeah, we, uh, Todd and Ned and I all taught at the Sorefingers uh, Bluegrass Camp over there in um, um, near Oxford, England. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, thank you so much for being here today to help us out. This is Todd Livingston, we presume. And here, our other very, very special guest. Um, you know him, you love him, Todd Green! And last but not least, he knows a lot about things that roll because he's the 2018 IBMA Banjo Player of the Year, and he makes a mean bagel, and he is an intergalactic DJ because he um, is on Sirius XM Satellite Radio's Bluegrass Junction, Mr. Ned Luberecki. 
that's more better on the guitar. So COVID, COVID was so hard on all of us and it affected us all in so many different ways and at different times. Had a bit of a delayed effect on me, but it really, really threw me into um, a, a really, really bad place. And um, I want to thank those of you here that prayed for me through that time. And, and um, this is a song that I actually... <laughs> Actually, it was partially written here, actually just across from your office. My friend Lynn Roll came down from Nashville, and, and thanks for giving us a room to write together. And, um, but I hope this is an encouragement to you. This is called God is With Us. And we have lost our ear monitors, Aubrey. One second. Folks, would you give a hand to our intrepid sound engineer, Aubrey? We call her grand old Aubrey Shamel back there. And also Cassandra and the tech team up there. Up in the back. Yeah, thanks for all you guys do all week. Uh, I mean, every, every week. All right, here we go. His mercies are made new every morning. 
else I meant to say before that song. That, that song's been an important part of my healing process, and I hope I get to record it one day soon. Uh, this is one that I have recorded. Um, and maybe you're out there and you're facing a mountain in your life, something that you cannot get around, over, under, through. You're praying and God is not moving it. And just, just keep praying. I know it doesn't feel like he's listening, but he is. His word tells us that he is. He hears us. He sees us. He is with us. He is for us. He is not against us. And, and you maybe, maybe in his time he will uh, he just completely obliterate that mountain. But maybe he is preparing you for something more. And maybe he is getting you ready to move. Um, so, hope this encourages you. It's called Speaking to That Mountain. I'm speaking to that mountain, brother, I believe God above can move it, but it might want to move me. All 
story. We have one more song before Dr. Cox brings the word. Would you all stand if you're able, please, and sing this one with us. If you've never sung this with us before, um, it's super simple and uh, to catch on to. Rise and follow me. I'll make you worthy. Rise and follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Rise and follow me. I'll make you worthy. Rise and follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Peter, John, and James could never be the same. After they heard him say, I'll make you fishers of men. Rise and follow me, I'll make you worthy. Rise and follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Rise and follow me, I'll make you worthy. Rise and follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Cast your nets aside and join the battle's tide. He will be your guide to make you fishers of men. Rise and follow me, I'll make you worthy. Rise and follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. He said, Rise and follow me, I'll make you worthy. Rise and follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Jesus bore the cross together in the lost. Oh, what a mighty cause to set us free from sin. He said, rise and follow me. I'll make you worthy. Rise and follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. He said, rise and follow me. I'll make you worthy. Rise and follow me. I'll make you fishers of Father, we come before you and we thank you, thank you, thank you for this time to get together and worship and that we are free to do so. We are so grateful for the air that you have given us and that you've given us another day, another moment to praise you. Uh, Please prepare our hearts for the word that you are sending to us through Dr. Cox and help us to apply it to our lives today and going forward as we go out to share the gospel with others. In Jesus' name I pray these things, amen. Amen. Thank you, Becky. Thank you, band. It's always a treat for us to have you with us. Thank you so much for being here and leading us in worship today. Before we look at the Word together today, I would like for us to just take a moment and pray together for our friends in Florida, if we may. You know that many people there uh, have been devastated by Hurricane Ian, uh, over two million probably without still without electricity, and 
you probably have friends or relatives or whatever there. And, and also in Puerto Rico from Hurricane Fiona, we want to pray for those. Southern Baptist Disaster Relief Workers are there. Teams from Tennessee are set up in Sarasota, Florida. A feeding team there of Tennessee and North Carolina, or Tennessee and Kentucky Baptist teams will, are beginning to feed 25,000 meals a day. Would you like to think about the logistics of, of preparing 25,000 meals every day? That's what they're doing, as well as uh, flood recovery teams, shower and laundry trailers, uh, tarping teams, and other teams are a part of that. So we just want to be, uh, pause and pray for them. Would you join me, please? Father in heaven, we thank you that you're with us in suffering, and our hearts go out to the people of Florida and Puerto Rico, and we pray for them now. We pray, Lord, that you will help them to have uh, even a sense of peace in the midst of storm. We pray you'll meet their basic life needs. We pray, Lord, that you will help them to see there are things that a storm cannot take away, that there are possessions that we possess that no storm of life can threaten, and may they center their lives upon those. We pray that some in this time may turn to Jesus, turn to you, God, for their help and their rock and their salvation and find salvation in this time. Lord, I want to pray for disaster relief workers, especially our Southern Baptist teams for Tennessee uh, who are there uh, in Sarasota. We pray that you'll use them as your hands and your feet uh, to share the love of Jesus Christ with those around them. Uh, bless them and help them. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Well, today I would like to share with you one of the benefits of being a Christian, one of the benefits of following Jesus. Now, there are costs to following Jesus. Uh, that's undeniable. Jesus said, if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. It costs to follow him. But there are also fringe benefits to following Jesus. And today I want to share with you that one of the benefits of being a Christian is that God gives you joy and happiness. And if you are looking for some joy and happiness in your life, then I want to point you to Jesus. It, what I want to share with you comes from the book of Romans, chapter 5. Let me lay the foundation for that. The book of Romans is about the doctrine of salvation. Romans chapters 1 through 2 tell why you need to be saved. Romans 1 through 2 say that you and I are sinners, and we have gone from God's path, and because of that we are under His wrath, and we're without excuse for our sins, and we're going to bear the punishment of our sins. That's the bad news. Romans 3 and 4 is the good news. It tells us how you can be saved. It tells us that in spite of your sin, God loves you. And God loves you so much that He sent His one and only Son to take the punishment for your sins. So that He could be just and fully punish every sin, but also be merciful and save you. And so... If you would put your faith in Jesus, accept what he has done as being upon your behalf, believe in him and follow him, your sins are forgiven, you're right with God, you have access to the Father. Then Romans 5 through 8 tells the results of being saved are the benefits of being saved. And one of them in Romans 5 is this joy and happiness. I want to share that with you beginning in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. It says, therefore, here's the connection with Romans 3 and 4 that tell us how to be saved. Here's the results of that. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, this first verse is a summary of, of Romans 3 and 4. It's telling how to be saved, justified, or made right with God through your faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, 
through whom we've gained access by faith into the grace in which we now stand. That's a summary of Romans 3 and 4. By the grace of God, we've been justified through our faith and we have access to Him. Now, in the latter part of verse 2, he begins to tell some of the benefit that accrues to you because of your justification. And he talks about joy. And he talks about our joy comes in three areas. Number one, we the benefit of being a Christian is we have joy in hope. Romans 5.2, the latter part of the verse says, And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now, Romans 3 had said all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but when you're justified, you regain that hope of the glory of God, and the Christian hope is that we are going to experience eternal life forever. We're going to heaven, we're going to have resurrected bodies, we're going to be reunited with the other Christians, and we have an eternal hope that cannot be taken away from us, so that future hope gives us joy now. Because whatever happens to you between now and then, you're going to be in heaven forever and ever and ever. Let me read it to you in another place in, uh, in 1 Peter chapter 1. He talks about that hope. And 1 Peter says in verses 3 and 4, sharing about the hope, Praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Isn't that great? It's kept there for you. It's not going to spoil like the milk in the refrigerator. It's not going to perish. It's not going to fade. It's, you've got a reservation in heaven. So that hope should fuel present joy. Verse 8 says, Though you do not see him, you love him, and even though you don't see him now, we don't see it yet, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. So right now, you can have inexpressible and glorious joy based upon the solid hope that there's a reservation in heaven and whatever comes in your life is not going to change that. That's joy in our hope. The second area of joy, according to Romans 5, is that we rejoice because there's meaning in our suffering. So Romans 5.3 says, not only so, not only do we rejoice in the future hope, but there's a present hope of joy as well. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. So this joy and happiness that I'm talking about, it doesn't mean that Christians aren't sad and grieve. I know I'm talking to people right now. You've lost loved ones. Some of you in our church family in recent months have lost children. What a terrible thing that is to have to bury a child. Some of you are going through physical struggles right now. Christians uh, are sad. Christians are unhappy. Uh, Christians go through periods of even Darkness, Becky just shared about during COVID, it just really sent her into a period of, of spiritual depression. Christians go through those things. So this is not some put on a plastic smile kind of thing and everybody just act happy all the time because we're Christians. It, it's a recognition that there's going to be sadness and going to be tough times. There's going to be suffering. Being a Christian does not exempt us from the common sufferings. We, we suffer with all of the things that other, other non-Christians have, plus we have persecution. Now, you get out of some of the suffering caused by sin, but you trade it in for some suffering caused by persecution. So we got plenty of suffering. 
But what this verse says is, we rejoice in our sufferings. Why? Because there's meaning in them. If you're not a Christian, what's, what's the meaning? But if you're a Christian, God says, I'm going to work all things together for the good, even the terrible things of those who love me. They're called according to my purpose. And so this verse says, verse 3, we glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Next verse, perseverance, character, and character, hope. It brings us back to that hope. So God is working in you through our sufferings. I know this is hard to understand. God is working through our sufferings to do things in our life He couldn't do without our sufferings. There is greater perseverance, character. God says, I'm fitting you in a greater way through those sufferings. So it doesn't mean we lack them, but it means there's meaning in them. And we can rejoice that life's not random and this is not just happening for no reason and that God is in this. And we rejoice in our sufferings. Paul wrote it in another place in 2 Corinthians 6.10, Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. So if you're a Christian, you may be going through sorrow, you may be down, you may be crying, yet always rejoicing. Let me turn it around and put it another way. If you're waiting until you don't have problems to be happy, you're never going to ha be happy. If you're ever going to be happy, you're going to have to somehow learn to be happy even in the suffering. And Jesus can do that. Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. We rejoice in our suffering. The third area of our hope, and the biggest of all, or our third area of our rejoicing, is that we rejoice in God Himself. Verse 11, not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've now received reconciliation. So, verses three, chapters 3 and 4, Romans, are about reconciliation. You've been brought into a right relationship with God, and the result of that is we rejoice in God. And the greatest source of joy for the Christian is in God Himself. You were created for a relationship with God, and you're never really going to be happy without that because you were made for that, and that's central. Now, you can have other happiness. Non-Christians can be happy. I'm not saying that non-Christians can't be happy. You may be here and you're not a Christian. You think, well, you know, I'm pretty happy. i, I got a good job. I've got pretty good health. The Bible calls that common grace. God gives grace to all people in a common sense, uh, joys to all people. That is, the Bible says he makes it rain on the just and the unjust. You know that verse? He, doesn't just dis he gives indiscriminately a lot of blessings. So you get sunshine, you get air to breathe, you get food, you get, you get family and grandkids and girlfriend or relationship and, and the, you, you can enjoy the Grand Canyon. You know, God, that's common grace. And so you can be happy as a non-Christian. But the Bible is saying that your happiness will be of limited duration and it will not be deep until you know God because He's the center of which that for which you're created. Let me read to you Psalm 1611. It says, You make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Eternal pleasure is in His presence. And so that means that hope, we're going to get to heaven, we're going to be with Him forever. But even now, because we experience His presence, even now, there's some of that joy now. You fill me with joy in your presence. And so if you know God, you can experience some joy 
even now because joy is in him and it's being in his presence. Uh, I have in this sermon so far sort of interchanged the words joy and happiness. I believe what is joy? I believe it's happiness. I believe you look it up in the dictionary, that's the first word it's going to have. I would say to you that that's a little controversial statement. Some preachers, Christian writers, books, I could reference some famous books you can look up on the internet. They, They say God does not want Christians to be happy. They said he wants us to be holy, not happy. They say joy and happiness are different. God wants you to have joy, but he's not a He's not here to make you happy. He wants you to be holy, not happy. Well, I'm not so sure about that. God certainly wants you to be holy. I think He wants you to be holy and happy. I think in holiness you can find happiness. I think God is happy, and I think He wants to share you to share His happiness. Let me read to you Matthew 25, 21. Jesus said, at the end of a parable, He told His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. I think God is happy. And he wants wants you to share in his happiness. And you're created for a relationship with him. And you'll find that happiness, that ultimate happiness in him. How are we happy? When you come to Jesus... The Holy Spirit comes into your life. He causes you to be born again, and He takes up residence within your body, the Bible says, if you're a believer. And several scriptures link joy with the presence of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to read to you just one. You may know Galatians 5 where it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. He produces that fruit. Let me read to you another one from uh, 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 1, verse 6. Paul says, you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. So you note that he says to these Thessalonians, you welcomed the message, that's how you got the joy, in the midst of severe suffering. So again, suffering's part of the Christian life. It doesn't negate joy, though there can be joy in the midst of severe suffering because the joy is given not by circumstances, but by the Holy Spirit. So if you come to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes into your life, and, and He will produce that fruit of joy. But that doesn't mean that you have no part in it. I believe that we are to cooperate with the work of the Holy Spirit. How can He produce the fruit of joy in our lives? We work with Him. Philippians 4.4 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. So the Bible commands us to rejoice. So I think we have some role there. The Holy Spirit is going to work in your life when you come to Jesus, and He's going to begin to produce some joy. But but there's a role for us to cooperate with the work of the Holy Spirit because He commands us. Now, you've got to control your thinking. This is a real theme of the book of Philippians. You see that command over and over. But He says, rejoice in the Lord. Maybe your circumstances are good, but you rejoice in the Lord. And in case you didn't get it, he said, I'm going to say it again, rejoice. So how do we do that? How do we cooperate with the work of the Holy Spirit? Let me suggest to you three things based on Scripture that you can do. If you say, I don't, I don't really think I'm, I'm living the joyful life that, that God intended me to live, and, and, and I want to 
cultivate that in my life. I want to cooperate with the Holy Spirit so He can produce happiness in my life. What do I do? Let me suggest three things. Number one, nurture a sense of gratitude in your life. Nurture a sense of gratitude. Often in the Scripture, joy and happiness are linked with thankfulness or gratitude. Uh, That is, you cultivate joy when you focus not on what you don't have, but focus on what you do have. Focusing on what you don't have makes you unhappy. Oh, wish I had a better car, house, wife, you know, whatever it is. But when you focus on what you do have and are grateful to God, then that cultivates that sense of happiness. I want to read to you a letter to Dear Abby that was in the newspaper years ago. Now, for those of you who are young, Dear Abby, Abby was an advice columnist uh, in the newspaper who gave advice. For those of you who are real young, a newspaper was this piece of paper that you would get, and it would come every day, and it opened up, and it had the news printed on it. Well, there was a column in a lot of, syndicated in a lot of newspapers, this lady named Abby, and you could write in letters to her, and she'd give advice to you. And sometimes other people would write. So I want to read to you these two letters that were written to Dear Abby. First one, Dear Abby, happiness, this is from a 15-year-old girl, okay? 15-year-old girl wrote the first one. Dear Abby, happiness is knowing that your parents won't almost kill you if you come home a little late. Happiness is having your own bedroom. Happiness is having parents that trust you. Happiness is getting the phone call you've been praying for. Happiness is knowing that you're as well-dressed as anybody. Happiness is something I don't have. Signed, 15 and unhappy. A few days later, this letter was printed in the column from a 13-year-old girl. Dear Abby, happiness is being able to walk Happiness is being able to talk. Happiness is being able to see. Happiness is being able to hear. Unhappiness is reading a letter from a 15-year-old girl who can do all these things and still says she isn't happy. I can talk, I can see, I can hear, but I can't walk. Signed, 13 and happy. What made the difference between these two people was it seems to me one had a sense of gratitude for what she did have and one had was focusing on what she didn't have. And I think that's true in your life. If you want to work with the Holy Spirit who is working in you to produce the joy that comes from hope and comes from meaning and comes from the relationship with God, then the first thing you can do is to cultivate in your life a sense of gratitude for what God has done for you. The second thing that I would say that we could do to cooperate with the Holy Spirit in a life of happiness and joy is to focus your life outward on serving others. Focus your life outward on serving others. Now, it would seem like it's logical that if you focus your life inward and put yourself first, that that would make you the happiest. Wouldn't that make sense? If I took care of me, wouldn't me be happy? If I put me first, wouldn't me be? But it does not work that way. 
self-absorbed people are primarily not the happiest people. The old acrostic that you may have heard for joy, J-O-Y, Jesus first, others second, yourself third, really has some truth to it. it. It really is when you turn outward and meet the needs of others and serve that you really find Joy, Jesus said, whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake in the gospel will find it. There's a show on television, several series, called The Real Housewives of and then a different city. And there's Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and Dallas and Atlanta and Vancouver and Toronto. And, and uh, this is a reality show uh, where, of these uh, women who are wealthy, good-looking, have everything, and are very self-absorbed. Now, I've only watched about 10 minutes of this show, so I'm not an expert on it. I, maybe I don't have the full picture. But it seems to me that those people ought to be some of the happiest people in the world. They're all about me. They've got everything. They don't do any work, at least of what I can see in the 10 minutes I watched of it. And they're not, I don't mean, homemakers work, let me tell you. People who raise children and keep a home and cook meals, God bless you, you're serving others. These people aren't doing any of that from what I've seen of the show. They're, it's just, they're going to massages and yoga and drinking wine and sitting around, all I can tell. And so, if the self-absorbed life makes you happy, shouldn't these people be the happiest people in the world, Right? They've got everything. They live a life of luxury. Have you ever watched any of it? The 10 minutes I watched, they're whining and complaining, and it's full of drama, and oh, it's just miserable. That's the 10 minutes I watched. I don't know. I don't know. My point is, if those things, are, if focusing on me is going to make me happy, that's the people who ought to be the happiest in the world. But you know what I find? I find that it's people who are giving their life for Jesus and his church and are volunteering and serving, and they have that happiness. If you want to work with the Holy Spirit, why don't you turn your life, not being so self-absorbed, and focus on serving others. I'll share with you a third thing that Scripture says. If you want to cultivate a life of happiness, read and obey the Bible. Read and obey the Bible. You see, God knows how life ought to work because he made it. And the Bible tells you his will and his plan. And, and happiness is going to be fine when you fit the owner's manual for life. Let me read it to you in John chapter 15, verse 10 and 11. Jesus said the night before he died, he was talking to his disciples and he said, If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I think Jesus is a full of joy and he wants you to share his joy. And he says, I'm telling you, you're going to need to obey my commands because that's how my joy can be in you and your joy can be complete. And so... If you want to cooperate with the Holy Spirit, align your life with the, the will of God. Read His Word, learn these commands, and obey these commands because that's how you'll be happy. Joe Theismann was a quarterback, Notre Dame 
10 years or so for the Washington Redskins, back when they were the Washington Redskins. And uh, Joe Theismann, at one point, divorced his wife, had an affair. And ESPN reported this. This is what ESPN said, that Joe Theismann said to his wife, explaining why he'd had an affair and why he was divorcing her. He said to her, God wants Joe Theismann to be happy. You think that's true? I think it's true. I think God wants Joe Theismann to be happy. I think he wants you to be happy. But Joe Theismann felt that happiness would be going his own way instead of God's way. I think he was right about that God wanted him to be happy. He sent Jesus to say this, If you obey my commands, I'm telling you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. God wants Joe Theismann happy and he wants you happy. But what Joe Theismann apparently made the mistake, and we make the mistake, is thinking that happiness will be in my way or it will be outside of God's will. And God says to us, I made you. I know what's going to bring you happiness. And the path of, of these pleasures and joys within my will is going to bring you the greatest happiness. Are you happy? Do you want to be? I believe that you can be. I believe that it comes not by changing your circumstances, but it comes through the God who made you. And the God who said, if you'll admit that you're a sinner, put your faith in me. I'll, I'll recreate you. You'll be born again. And I'll, the Holy Spirit will come into your life and begin to produce solid joy lasting pleasure. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father in heaven, I want to pray for those here today who would say, I'm not happy. And maybe some of us are believers, Lord. And so, Lord, I pray that they'll begin to cooperate with the Holy Spirit within them uh, to produce the fruit of the Spirit, to cultivate gratitude, to turn their life outward, to align their lives with your command. And then, Lord, I want to pray for someone who might be here today who has not yet received Jesus as Savior. And I want to pray, Lord, that they would say, Lord, I see that I was made for you. I repent of my sin. I put my faith in you. And I pray that your Spirit will produce in me that joy that's in hope, joy even in the midst of suffering, joy in a relationship with you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand together with me, if you will. This is a time of invitation and response. If today you want to come and receive Jesus as your Savior and begin to know the joy that He created you for, I want to invite you to walk forward during this song and meet me here. If you can come. We'll have baptism two weeks from today. You can declare your faith today. Be baptized in two weeks. Maybe you want to join our church. Maybe you want to pray about something in your life. Uh, somebody be glad to pray with you. As God speaks to you, I invite you to respond during this song.
I just want to direct your attention to some of the announcements there in the worship guide. Uh, just the ones that you need to sign up for something or there's some action you need to take. First one is upward basketball and cheerleading. If you want to register your child in that, you can see the website there. You can go and register your child. 
uh, you know, choosing the size of their uniform and go ahead and pay for them. And you can do everything right there on that website online. You can see the evaluation that's coming up on October 17th and 18th. And so that'd be something that you can invite your neighborhood kids to, maybe friends, whatever, and you can direct them to this same website. You can also see these children's ministry events coming up, a parents' night out. You can register for that. And trunk or treat, we'd like for you to sign up to host a car out in our parking lot and offer a trunk there to hand out candy with. Uh, maybe you just want to bring candy, and so you can see uh, what we need there in the worship guide also. So please sign up and be a part of those things. Just want to also invite you uh, to worship through giving. Um, our mechanism for that are the, the boxes there on the back wall. You can uh, place your tithes and offerings in there. And if you're a, a first-time guest with us this morning, uh, as you're exiting these uh, back doors, head up to your left. And our lead pastor, Dr. Cox, has a small gift uh, for all first-time guests. As we close this morning, uh, we're going to close with a, a doxology. A doxology is just a statement of truth and praise about God. And so we're going to read um, as our closing um, from the book of Jude, and Jude writes this about God. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you.